Good morning. Yeah, I get a little rowdy. You might want to move that. King's Kids, if you are in second grade on down, we're going to release you. I didn't pay attention to the schedule. Do we know who's up today? Jerrica, thank you for your sacrifice, your labor of love. All right, King's Kids, second grade on down, you are dismissed. <laughs> Dance your way out the back door. That's looking good. I like those moves today. Wow, he's excited. <clears throat> Turn with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14. We're going to look at two passages this morning, chapters 14 and 15. Before we go there, uh, let me update a couple things that are in the bulletin. First of all, Mason Ingram is now in... Poland. No? It changed again. That guy is a traveling. Where, where is he now? Am I allowed to say? Okay. All right. So it's good. Okay. Nothing like having the you know, government as your boss. There you go. So uh, Mason Ingram is deployed right now with the army. So he's still in Romania. Karen, what's the update on your knee surgery? Friday, keep praying for Karen. She has a knee replacement surgery. Um, keep praying for Roy as he recovers, uh, trying to get his oxygen levels back up. We missed that old guy. Um, just gain, regaining strength. If you've been sick for a long period of time, you know. Uh, so he's pray him back for all of us. Men, we're having a men's breakfast Saturday at 8 a.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. We'll meet all the way at the other end of the church where we like to eat and meet and greet. Ladies, if you have any questions about the Bible study or the um, ladies trip that is coming up, see Anne today. It's the last, it's the last chance for some of those things. And then I have to announce February the 5th, we are having our annual membership meeting. Our members are meeting to talk about our uh, yearly budget and numbers and dreams and vision. It's going to be a good meeting. That's February the 5th. We're going to after church, we're going to have a chili lunch together. We're asking you to bring a crock pot of chili. Uh, we've got some other things. We're going to have Fritos. We're going to have cornbread. We're going to have fresh baked cookies and desserts. So that's on February the 5th, right after church. Stay for lunch. Then after lunch, our members are going to come down. We have a couple issues to vote on, and it should be a good day of fellowship. Whew. Chili. If you want to ramp it up, cornbread. Yes. It is, you, you shouldn't have one without the other. And crackers, oyster crackers, saltine crackers. Some people, you know, around here it's Fritos. Who does Fritos with their chili? Confession. All right. See, there's something wrong with those people. I'm a, I never knew anything about that. I never heard about that. Oh, yeah, I, I'm big on the cheese. Oh, man, you got to put a handful of shredded cheddar on top of your chili. Something about that. And, oh, let's have another confession. How many of you will not eat chili if there are beans in it? Okay, you all are going to eat together. The rest of us, you get the beans. So don't overdo it. On, we need just to eat one crock pot of no beans, okay? Everybody else, just put whatever you want in the chili. It's going to be great. Uh, always look forward to our yearly meeting discussing what the remembering and reflecting on what God has done last year through our giving and through our ministries and then uh, dreaming a little bit and praying for the upcoming year. I feel like this sermon should have been in December, kind of the end of the year, end of the Bible book of Revelation, but it's taken me a while to get here. I'm going to read two passages from Revelation 14, and then I'm going to read two passages from Revelation 15. But before that, to settle my heart, I need to pray. God, we come to you as a people who need you to speak to us today. Remind us of truths that are greater than all of human history. Remind us of who you are, of your desire for us, and of our responsibility towards you. 
We need your help, God. So many things going on. We need your help to focus. We need your help to take our praise out of the now and and put it at your feet where it belongs. Teach us how to praise you with our attention, with our focus, with our learning, that we would be a people who grow in wisdom and the proper fear of your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. And chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, a poem. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Today we reflect on the fear of the Lord in the book of Revelation. The fear of the Lord begins in Genesis, the very beginning. Adam and Eve were to fear the Lord, grow in wisdom. Enjoy all the trees in the garden, but don't eat of the one tree. The to-do list was longer than the not-do list. And yet, as humans tend to do, we found a way to grasp and go after something God said no. It wasn't that God didn't want them to have knowledge of good and bad. He didn't say stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and bad because... I always want to be better than you. God fully intended to help Adam and Eve grow in the knowledge of good and bad as they lived life with him. It's implied, but it's there. It's implied, but it's spelled out clearly in the rest of the stories of the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is talked about in Moses, David, Solomon, all the prophets. The fear of the Lord is what characterized Jesus as the perfect human. He feared God perfectly. It rubs off on the apostles. We read last week about Paul. He's emphatic that we don't fear the things of the world. We fear God. We put God first. We don't tremble and shake at the authorities and powers that are around us. We Give our allegiance to God alone because He is holy. And not only is He holy and we should fear Him, that fear turns into love because all the while God is inviting us to fear Him because He knows it's what's best for our hearts. Fear turns into love. Our God is an all-consuming fire, but He's also a God of love. And they go together. Fear and love should be mingled together in our understanding of who God is. And here in the book of Revelation, what do we find? Does fear ever go away? No. Because it's tied directly to the character and nature of God. So Revelation 14, fear God and give Him glory. There are actually two commands here. The first one is fear God. The second one is worship Him. Fear God and give Him glory and worship Him. Which means you can do one without doing the other. Shouldn't be that way. We should want to worship Him. We should want to give Him our praise, want to give Him our hearts, want to love Him, unless your heart is dead, unless 
You're dead in your own trespasses and sins unless you are grasping after things that God says no to and you are dedicated to a life of self because you can't worship God because you're busy worshiping yourself. You're worshiping something always, all the time. That's how we are created. We are created beings who have a, a thirst and a hunger for something bigger than us. Sometimes we promote self. Jesus teaches us, fear God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love other people. That puts you in the right place. That famous acronym of joy, Jesus, others, you. Put yourself last worship him all beings will fear and glorify God write this down but not all will worship him willfully wholeheartedly and lovingly they're not going to it's a command but it's not going to happen now all beings will fear and glorify God every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord judgment will come upon all sin but not every heart is going to want to draw near to God. Even at the end, even in Revelation, we are seeing people shake their fist against God and His kingdom coming. They fear Him. It's the wrong fear. They're not also glorifying Him, and they're definitely not worshiping Him. Every heart needs Jesus Christ. The wicked are blinded in their sin. The wicked will want to hide. They will want to flee. They will want to escape the wrath of God because they've not discovered safety in Jesus. So here's, here's a definition of worship. Worship at its best remembers God as the creator and then celebrates existence on God's terms. To worship is to acknowledge the reality that God is God and I exist for Him. I'm supposed to live towards Him. I'm supposed to have allegiance to Him, commitment to Him, devotion to Him. He's altogether lovely. To worship is to celebrate God is. And then all of our songs fit in with that. If you're not singing about God and who He is and how good He is, you can personalize that. He's good to me. He's kind to me. He's gracious to me. Or you can just talk he is good, regardless of how I feel. You can worship. That's worship. It's to acknowledge God on God's terms. And there's no better way to do that than to sing God's words. You don't have to be clever. There's nothing new under the sun. You may have a... Some of the, my favorite artists, uh, songwriters... They have, a, they have a good turn of phrase. They say things uniquely, but let's be honest. God's heard all of that before. So it's not about being novel. It's about your heart being right. It's about your devotion being singular. He knows he has you, and you know you have him. What a union. It starts with the heart. And so, the fear of the Lord never goes out of style. This is a command for us still, to fear God and give Him glory, and worship Him who made heaven and earth. Fearing the Lord is never going to go away for you. All of heaven, you read the rest of Revelation, people, <laughs> the foundations, the pillars, the mountains are melting, everything's shaking, everything holy, holy, holy. The fear of the Lord does not go away. People are falling down in worship. People are falling down afraid. People, the unsaved are wanting the mountains to crush them. They're wanting to be removed from God's presence because it's a fearful thing to be in the presence of God. But those who know they have been graced fall down and they want to get closer. That's the fear of the Lord. It's going to give you a desire for the rest of eternity to draw nearer and nearer 
and nearer to God. And even when you're embracing Him, knowing and knowing and knowing Him better, God is going to, over the course of the rest of eternity, reveal Himself to His people. Good, gooder, goodest, more good, more goodly. He's going to have to make up more words because we're going to draw into God's presence forever. And it gets better and better and better. That's the big thing you are made for. Draw near. And the fear of the Lord is right there. Instead of making us want to flee God's presence, the fear of the Lord is going to make us fall in His presence and soak it in and love it and want more of Him. Parallel passage in Revelation 15. Maybe not the same words, but the same idea. Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4. Singing the song of Moses. Your homework this week? Go find the song of Moses. <laughs> Go dig it up. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Google is your friend. Where is the song of Moses? The servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And then verse 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? Rhetorical question, which means the answer is, I've been waiting all week to say this. No one will not fear. No one will not fear. To double negative means it's positive, means all people will fear. I had fun with that. No one yeah, my English teacher would have marked that down. Come on, you can be clearer than that. Okay, well, I'm reflecting on poetry. It's, it's poetry, so I can, you know, be flamboyant in my speech, right? I'm going to express myself. Yeah. Who will not fear God? No one will not fear God, which means they all will fear God. And glorify Him. Glorify His name. Why? For you alone are holy now there are holy angels there are holy saints but let's let's be honest perfectly eternally holy that's only god deserves all of our attention and praise that's only god all nations will come worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed who will not fear no one will not fear. Everyone will give him glory. So another way to say that, all people in one way, shape, or form bring glory to God. And I need you to think deeply for a second here. All people, not all saints, we're talking the righteous and the wicked, are going to bring glory to God. In one way, shape, or form, all beings glorify God for eternity. We know the sunshine side of that. That those who have been redeemed, those who have been immersed in the grace of Jesus, forgiven, they will worship God's love, goodness, mercy. But the wicked are also going to bring glory to God. All of hell for all of eternity is going to testify that God is right, that God is just, and that God does hold people accountable for their rebellion. It glorifies God. The wicked, in their suffering, are bringing glory to God by showing God is right, and they were wrong. Forever God is right. Forever God is holy. It, it's harsh, until you understand, none of us deserves to be a part of His goodness. Nobody deserves to be forgiven. Nobody deserves an ounce of His grace. 
That should never swell us with any kind of pride. You don't deserve it, Eric, and you know it. You don't deserve it. Do you know it? You don't deserve it. So it never becomes a point of, look what you earned. Good grief, look what I've earned. It always becomes a point of, look at God. Look what he's done. None of us deserve anything. And he's gracious. And he's kind. And it hurts. That's why God has to wipe away every tear. Because reality is rough. I've lost family members forever. 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 But I fear God more. I know God is good. Because I don't deserve anything. None of you deserve anything. And I know God has had a testimony on this earth from the very beginning. I know God has given humanity a chance. We cannot overlook. God is going to get glory through everything. Through your suffering, through your loss, through your pain, through your sin. Your sin is not going to stop God from getting all the attention eventually. <laughs> you may become rich and famous or infamous on planet Earth. You may pile up everything, do everything, be everybody's hero. <laughs> it's gone. It won't last long. You are a vapor. You are just a breath. Whew. Your life is short. God is forever. All people will bring glory to God in one way, shape, or form. All people will fear God. Even if they ignore Him now, deny Him now, God gets the final word. He always does. That's what it means to be God. It means you are God. Be careful. So the life that we need to live is the one that brings him glory now and on his terms. We don't want God to have to wring glory out of us. We want to be a people who live open-handed and give him all the praise for every good gift he's ever given us. Not take life tight-fisted, but live life open-handed, open-hearted, generous, graceful, forgiving <laughs> one another, talking to one another, helping one another in the name of Jesus and for His glory and for His sake. Will we mess up? Guaranteed. Will you be perfect? <laughs> Not a chance. I just have to ask your spouse or your kids or your neighbors or your boss or if you're honest, I just ask you, confess. Confess. You need God, and that brings Him glory when we acknowledge He is right. Humans are all acknowledged, are all created to acknowledge God, to rule. We are created to rule over all creation with God throughout eternity. What? Wow. Did you ever get that job description in high school? I went to the job lab a lot. I was always forever filling. We had this little, this, it was just this little dumpy computer with the green screen, you know what I mean? All the just tell me you had to, teacher had to set it up. And they had this survey on there where you type it up, answer all these questions, and it would tell you what kind of job you were best suited for. No matter how many times I took that thing, <laughs> I got the same answer. I don't know why I kept doing it. I guess I just, because I never know, I never knew anybody even had that job. I didn't know anybody who had that job. Never, I mean, I've heard of it, but I, nobody ever had that job. Craig, you should work for the Department of Wildlife. <laughs> now, who here is not shocked that that was my high school 
Mark, can you resonate with that? I didn't know. I never heard. I didn't even know that was an option. That's not a job. I can't. How can I bring glory to God through something I've never even heard of? What are those people? What do you do, sit in a canoe all day? Like, what kind of job is that? Like, I've never, I, I never knew what that was. I've heard of park rangers and, like, how can you do something or make it your dream or your goal when you've never even heard about it? Same thing with you bringing glory to God. How can you bring glory to God when, when you don't even know what that means? Read the Word. It's going to teach you what that means. David's going to teach you what it means to bring glory to God when you're suffering, when you're in pain. What does that mean to bring glory to God? Read, read Daniel. You want to read about somebody in a harsh work environment and a difficult nation and difficult leaders? This is a book of people who have found ways to fulfill their heavenly job description. That's why God has this here for you, to show you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever career path you take, you can glorify him if you will first fear him. Lay down your life at his feet. Learn to love him. Learn to honor him. And even if you don't understand all things, you understand that he's the first thing. That's how we begin to bring glory to him. Don't make it too complicated. And don't be afraid he's going to ask you to do something that's too hard. That's all he ever does is ask you to do what's too hard. <laughs> Just living is hard. He's going to ask you to do hard things so you learn to pray, so you learn to ask for help, so you learn to trust him, so you learn to read his word and mine it, and you find a community of people, and you bounce ideas off one another, you pray for one another, you serve one another. God makes life and allows life to be difficult so that we learn to follow him. Bring glory to him. Fear and love. <laughs> Together. Little reminder. Here are five words that summarize your purpose in life. You were made to worship. Write worship down. You were made to worship. That's giving God the honor and praise that he's due. It doesn't just mean musically. It doesn't just mean sing. To worship God at work is to do your job and do it right and do it well and help other people. Sometimes it means submitting, but it never means compromising. Worship, fellowship. That doesn't just mean eating chili together, although that includes eating chili together. Fellowship means living your life with other believers. You're talking about God's word. Maybe in a small group, a Sunday school class, or a community group. You have the gift of hospitality. You're inviting people over. You're getting to know one another. You're opening, you're, you're opening your home to one another. You're, you're sharing meals with one another. It's a one another. Discipleship. That's where you take the initiative to study God's word intensely. You're memorizing scripture. You're going to particular Bible studies. You may be watching uh, sermons online, podcasts. You're doing things within your area of interest and need that are helping you understand life on God's terms. You're a disciple, you're a learner, you're a follower. You're not just a fan. Oh yeah, Jesus is good. But you're actively engaged. Discipleship carries the idea of training your mind and growing in your faith. Ministry, that's actively serving other believers. That's ministry. When you're serving unbelievers, that's evangelism. And in the church, we need both. We need times of seasons when we are helping, serving, loving, taking care of one another, fellowshipping when it's relaxed. But if it's like fixing a home, fixing a car, that's ministry. If it's your neighbor and they don't know Jesus, it just became evangelism. Evangelism is openly letting people know why you live the way you live and why you do what you do. Evangelism is, sim is as simple as saying, here's some money. In the name of Jesus, I'm giving this to you. I'm a follower of his, and I want to help. If you have longer than that, then you can go through the gospel. If you have longer than that, you can buy him a meal. If you have longer than that, you can invite him out, invite him over. Evangelism, reaching out to the lost. Ministry, reaching out to one another. Discipleship, personal growth. Fellowship, 
time with believers and worship, focus on God and His presence. I want to read Revelation 15 again. Great and amazing are your deeds. How great. How amazing. Go, look, go watch a sunrise or a sunset. Go watch a full moon. Great and amazing are your deeds. How great. Look at a baby. Hold its little hand. See how small, intricate, fragile, great, and amazing are your deeds. How great, how amazing. How many times should you have already died in this life? How many times should you have been busted already in this life? How many times have you deserved far worse than you've gotten? <laughs> Great and amazing are God's deeds in my life. He is truly Lord God the Almighty. He has power over everything, every circumstance, every cell, every star, every cloud. And just and true are your ways, king of the nations. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. People elevate themselves. Countries elect officials. God is the king of all nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? Everyone will. Why? For you alone are holy. That needs to become the battle cry of your heart. God alone is holy. Will you please lower your expectations for yourself, for everybody else? Nobody's perfect. They're all going to hurt you. Suck it up. But understand, go to God. He alone is holy, which means you'll find your greatest purpose, your meaning, your passion with Him. Not the circumstances of life and definitely not the people of life. You alone are holy. The end result, all nations will come eventually and worship you willfully. The only people left in God's creation for eternity, when all is said and done, are those who will choose to worship Him. He's not going to have to force them down to their knees. He's not going to have to tell them to sing about his awesomeness it's going to be a natural overflow of our regenerated glorified sanctified redeemed heart unification with jesus your righteous acts have been revealed and that is a good line to summarize the entire book of revelation god's righteous acts will be revealed you were made to fear and love God forever. Let me close out some of these blanks. You were made to fear and love God forever. They go hand in hand. They're not opposites. They're not repelling each other. They are woven together. To fear God properly is to love Him forever. Everyday comforts and pains can easily blind you to the ultimate reality of God with us. Why that popped out in Sunday school? Well, I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> the ultimate reality of God with us. Now, comfort and pain can both blind you to the reality of God. You can have everything taken care of in life. Enough money, enough food, enough comfort. Everything is good and what can happen? You sit back, you relax, you check out. I don't have to do anything. You can ignore God. You don't have to give Him praise. You don't have to give Him thanks. You can have so much in your life 
that you can push God away. Happens. Very common in first world nations. Go look at most of Western Europe. You can have so much wealth that God becomes secondary, third, fourth, gone. But the same is also true of pain. I have seen people blinded by their pain and push God away as well. Kind of funny, ironic. Which is going to be your tendency? Because you're going to lean a little more towards one of these than the other. When everything's great, you're just kind of, yeah, we, just, we don't need anything. But then when everything's bad, some people, they turn to God real quickly. Yeah, oh yeah, thank you, I need this reminder. Some people, when everything's bad, like, forget it. Human nature, it's called excuses. We always find an excuse to push God away. Comfort or pain. You're going to have to fight to keep the bigger reality at the forefront of your mind. The bigger reality is always God. God is with us. He's with us in our comfort, and He wants us to praise Him for it. He's with us in our pain, and He wants us to praise Him then too. He wants us at all times and always to love Him, to honor Him, to praise Him, to fear Him. The fear of the Lord keeps me focused on Him. That's what we see in these two passages in Revelation. Fear of the Lord, it goes on and on and on. Good times, bad times. We're actually winding up this wisdom journey. We're about to start, brace yourselves, we're starting Proverbs next week. I just had to hit the brakes in Revelation and move on, right? Show the next slide. Show this at the very beginning, this wisdom journey. The wisdom journey starts at the bottom, communication. You have to read your Bible. You need to hear the Bible. You need God's Word. You need to know what He says, and you need to know it well. But that's not where it stops. You don't just let God talk to you and you agree. God doesn't just want agreement. He wants communication to turn into communion. He wants us to learn to spend time with Him in our prayer time, in our reading time, in studies. He wants us to, to get to know Him. And that should turn into union with God. That is as high as you can get in this life. Living every single day, moment by moment with God. Communication and communion, those are times you feel close to God because you're doing something godly. Union is you feel close to God when you're changing a diaper, you're doing your dishes, you're putting a bolt back on the car. You remember God in every little thing that you do and you're praising Him with every wipe, with, every, with everything, everything that's going on. That's the goal in this life. You're never going to reach the fullness of God till you die and are glorified. Then you get to sing the song of Moses. Then you get to sing the song of the angels. Then you get to be one around the throne. That's not coming yet. We, we, your life is a circular loop and you are stuck in it. It always starts on the right with sin. We sin. Well, how am I going to be right? The first time we come to God to be right, we are redeemed. We're washed by the blood. We're forgiven in the grace of God. We're saved by grace, not works. And then God begins the process of sanctification. He starts helping us improve. We have to say no to a lot of things. We have to say yes to a lot of new things. He's changing us. He's changing the way we think. He's changing the way we act. Maybe the way you eat. Maybe the way you dress. Maybe the way you go to work. He's changing us. He can change your dreams. He can change your passions. He changes you. Sanctification. He wants to make you more like His Son. You're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. Sin, justification, sanctification. And then in this life, you know you're going to have a bad thought. You're going to be selfish. You're going to lose your temper. You're going to give in to lie, cheat, steal, lust. You're going to fly off the handle. You're going to put yourself first at the expense of other people. You're going to sin. And the process loops. You go back to Jesus for justification. I need to be made clean again. Please forgive me. Confess, restore, agree with God. And then he sanctifies you again. And that's, that's the process of life. That, life. that loop is never broken until glorification. That's the only thing that breaks the loop of your life. You think your life is rough? Good, it is. 
I'm doing the same old thing. Good. You should be getting better at them. Well, I'm not. Well, how long have you been doing it? Oh, man, I've been saved for a couple years. <laughs> Keep living. Well, my kids are in elementary school. Keep living. Keep following God. Well, my kids are teenagers. Keep following God. Well, this season of life, right? You're going to go through a lot of different stuff. A lot of different things are going to fall off and fall out and break. Hips and knees and hearts and minds. Every season of life is rough. Keep looping back around to God. Go into justification. Who am I in Jesus? Remind yourself. Who am I supposed to be? Sanctification. Every time you sin, you take it back to Jesus. That's the life of wisdom. It's not getting stuck in the sin category. A life of wisdom keeps learning, keeps growing, keeps drawing after God. So that's where we are. And the book of Proverbs is going to give us a lot of nuggets. Fear God and give Him glory. Revelation 14. Revelation 14. Fear God and give Him glory. The hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made heaven and earth. How close is God's final judgment to us? Really close. Always has been. We need to live like He's knocking on the door. So what can you do to surrender to Jesus today? Last line. This is the fear of the Lord. Here's what it looks like. To see God as He really is. To see yourself as you really are. To come to Jesus on His terms. And then grow in wisdom for the rest of your eternal life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it never goes away. So ask yourself today, where can I grow the fear and love of God in my life? God, where have I been stumbling? Where have I been failing? What can I do? Where can I surrender? What do I need to repent from? What have I forgotten that I need to get right? Who have I wronged that I need to approach and make right? Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to show some special love towards? Who do I need to... Who have I been missing and putting off? Who have I been neglecting? What have I not been doing? What have I been doing? I need to stop. Your fear and love for God are like a cheese grater. And you need not be afraid to set that thing up and take your life and just run it through there. No matter how much it hurts, Run it through there. Run your life through the truth of who God is and what He wants for you. He'll make you usable, moldable, bite-sized. You unapproachable? You hard and difficult to live with? You quick with your own opinion? Slow to listen to others? Quick to judge? Are you hard on yourself, holding yourself up to an unrealistic expectation or standard? What frees us from ourselves is fearing and loving God properly. Let's stand and pray together to that end. <clears throat> Bow your head for just a second. <clears throat> As the worship team comes, we're going to end on a song, but before that, I want to ask you how you're doing with your eyes closed. Try not to think about anybody else. Try not to think about anything but your own heart, your own mind, your own decisions. You know yourself a little. Is there an area of your life you need to surrender to Jesus? A dream, an emotion? a health issue, a sin, a habit, a hang-up. 
What do you need to surrender to Jesus fresh this morning? Remember, He's the one who justifies you. We come to Him with open hearts and we repent and we agree, God, what I'm doing is wrong. God, how I'm living is wrong. I surrender again and again and again. Bring it to Him this morning. Ask Him for, for help. Don't ever get tired of asking Jesus to help you. The riches of His grace are inexhaustible. The overflow of His mercy will never end. You have to put yourself in it. Ask Him for mercy this morning and ask Him for grace fresh. Put yourself through the ringer. Examine every area of your heart and your motivations. God, we come to you now and we say, have your will and way with us. We want to be a people who fear you, glorify you, and worship you. We want you to occupy the, the number one seat in our hearts. We want you to be high and lifted up. We want you to become our dream. We want you to be our biggest passion. Change us, God. Change us. And we pray fervently for our friends and our family and our neighbors who don't know you. Have mercy. Save them, God. Let them hear about your truth one more time. Send us into their lives one more time. And if we can't do it, then God send somebody, we pray. Send us, we pray. mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary you the perfect holy one crushed your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me your blood wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy, you made your friend. Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace. Your mercy and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you.
for today is from Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7 then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity transgression and sin yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Amen. You are dismissed.